Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, listeners, Lee here from the Story Pirates. We're the creators of Bugs and Daffy's Thanksgiving Road Trip and the Story Pirates podcast, which turns kids' stories into sketch comedy and songs. Last Thanksgiving, our team of writers, musicians, and actors had the chance to create the very first Looney Tunes podcast, Bugs and Daffy's Thanksgiving Road Trip, which you probably know because you're listening to this bonus episode on the Looney Tunes podcast feed right now. It was a pretty big deal for us because of how much Looney Tunes has inspired us over the years. So today, in honor of the one-year anniversary of the release, I'm excited to talk to Eric Bauza, the voice behind both Bugs and Daffy in the series. Eric's basically a legend and is so generous with his answers, doing voices and sharing the brilliant history of these characters. And bonus points, he didn't just end the interview immediately when I asked him if he's ever ordered pizza as Bugs Bunny. I hope you like it. And after the interview, I hope you'll listen or re-listen to Bugs and Daffy's Thanksgiving Road Trip and maybe even make it a part of your own family's Thanksgiving tradition. And if your road trip is extra long this Thanksgiving and you need more family-friendly audio content, you can also find the Story Pirates podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And now here's my interview with Eric Bauza. Eric Bauza, welcome to the show. Hello, welcome to your show. <laughs> my show? I mean, I'm just the custodian for these characters. Well, as with all custodians, I have nothing but respect for you. So thank you for being here. It's the one-year anniversary of Bugs and Daffy's Thanksgiving road trip. And I'm super excited to talk to you about what it is you do. Uh, well, Doc, I, uh, rumor <laughs> has it that I sound an awful lot like some, uh, certain animated rabbit. Oh, no, no, don't hijack this interview, rabbit. There's also a duck component to this <laughs> that some people remember. Okay, Daffy, okay. Yeah, uh, I, I do the voices for uh, Bugs and Daffy on occasion. It's incredible. And for those that have listened to Bugs and Daffy's Thanksgiving Road Trip, it's incredible to realize that you are basically for the whole show having a conversation with yourself. <laughs> well, you know, that's what you guys uh, asked me to do. You guys wrote a very uh, amazing script. And I know that's what you guys do is you set up the stage and you write dialogue for these classic characters. So. Eric, fans of Looney Tunes will know that Bugs and Daffy as characters changed a little bit over the years. What can you tell us about the versions of Bugs and Daffy that you chose to voice 
for Bugs and Daffy's Thanksgiving road trip. There are certain iterations where I voice Daffy, and he's the crazy one. And even Bugs has a bit more energy, but this is definitely the more Chuck Jones type half-lidded bugs, a little bit more uh, cool as a cucumber, cool as a carrot type bugs. And Daffy's the one that is kind of has the, the dollar signs in his eyes and desperately needs that attention. You guys nailed it. So I guess in terms of you as a voiceover artist, Eric, Bugs Bunny is a character from the 1940s. What is it like being 80 years old? Uh, well, Doc, I've always had gray hair, so I guess it never mattered. I, I never felt the transition, at least in my look. Uh, although uh, at this time of year, uh, you know, the cold weather really does uh, heck on my joints. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I Again, uh, I wasn't there for the original. Uh, can you imagine being in a theater and watching these 1940 shorts for the first time? I just can't even imagine. For me, it was watching these uh, shorts on Saturday mornings with the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show. It was kind of like the 80s and 90s renaissance of these characters. Shorts that were probably made with the idea that they might only be seen once in a movie house. Not knowing that they would have a life well past 30, 40 years at that point, seeing it every Saturday in syndication. I imagine that's when you saw them. That is exactly. I grew up watching these in the 80s and 90s every on Saturday mornings, just like you. Yeah, I mean, that was it. That's when I fell in love with them. I would record them on VHS. I would pause the drawings, like the <laughs> pause the poses, and I would draw from these episodes, uh, let alone be inspired by... Mel Blanc as a voiceover artist. But as a kid, I started out as a cartoonist, and mm. that's how I was influenced by Looney Tunes. And I always say, growing up as a kid, you either grew up on the Disney side of the fence or the Warner Brothers side of the fence. And <laughs> I uh, definitely uh, grew up and landed on the Warner Brothers Hanna-Barbera side of the fence, Doc. And, and you know, I'm, I still go to Disneyland wearing Bugs Bunny clothes and get uh, a lot of notes and dirty looks for it, but that's okay. <laughs> so... So you said you started off obviously as a fan, as a kid, and you sort of thought of yourself as a cartoonist at first. When did you first realize, I'm pretty good at doing these voices too? For me, I guess that started around the dinner table, kind of making fun of my parents and my older uh, aunts and uncles. They were immigrants of the Philippines, so I was already surrounded by accents at the table growing up in Toronto, Ontario, mm. Canada. So, you know, my parents had the Filipino accent, and uh, of course I took to it, and any time I would imitate them, they would laugh. And I think for, <laughs> for any kid, that is fuel for the fire. So then you start going, well, I could do my parents' voices. What I could try doing my teacher's voice. I never thought like, well, now how do I spin this into a career? I always thought, well, I'm good at doing voices. And that kind of carried on into animation. So as I worked at these various animation studios, I would start doing impressions of my coworkers or just mm. impressions of cartoons because we that's our life, right? We would watch and make cartoons. And it would happen so in this situation where a friend of mine was asking me to do a voice for his pilot, mm. the test episode of an idea of something. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I remember it was a Ricardo Montalban impression from, if you watch, <laughs> if you watch Fantasy Island, then you'll know that I can do a very good spot on Ricardo Montalban. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, there, there's so many people that they could have hired, but for whatever reason, they picked me, and I did the voice, and I got on, and that kind of snowballed. Huh. And then I started to have more 
more voiceover work than I could handle with animation as my job. So I had to quit my nine to five animation job. Wow. I had no idea that you actually worked in animation before you did this. I was a character layout artist. Wow. I was the one that was drawing the final poses before they got animated. I like to do cleanup as well. Give me a set of markers and I love to clean up drawings. <laughs> it's very therapeutic putting those perfect lines down on a piece of like a white piece of paper. And I also like to edit animatics and audio engineer wow. stuff. Yeah, I, I got a great folder of uh, fart sound effects. Trust me, I got, uh, <laughs> I got them all. It's super interesting because I, I bet there aren't a ton of voice artists like yourself who actually have a background in the drawing itself that you know both sides uh, of that. There's like a handful. It's like Seth MacFarlane, Mike Judge. You know, these Mm -hmm. are show creators that not only uh, created the cartoons they worked, uh, Justin Roiland, another one, you know. uh, Mm -hmm. These are people that also like to draw as well. So you do... Dare I say, hundreds of voices. So there, there may, there may be a, like a hundred. I'm going to just say just over a hundred. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. <laughs> I remember when we were recording Bugs and Daffy's Thanksgiving road trip. You were demonstrating for me some of the tiny little tweaks that you can do between Looney Tunes characters. I call it the House of Mel Blanc, because again, we're drawing from the original uh, gangsta of animation voices, <laughs> a Mel Blanc, the Godfather. There's many interviews you can find of him on YouTube and all the social media outlets, but uh, one in particular that I love is like him on Letterman, and uh, you know he's explaining to David Letterman now. Now, uh, when when uh, uh, when they pitch you a character, Mel, uh, do you uh, are are you given a picture? Are are they animated already? Oh no 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 no! Uh, uh, they give me a picture and uh, they they describe the character to, to me. They describe so they pitch Bugs Bunny as a as a wascally wabbit, you know, a, li- a tough little. Stinker, and I thought, who's the the toughest voice in America right now? It's either Brooklyn or the Bronx. So I uh, put the two of them together and came up with Bugs Bunny Doc. Ain't I a stinker? Yeah. So, but Bugs to me, if you lose that uh, nasally uh, voice and start talking like a baby, all of a sudden that's Tweety Bird. Ooh, I taught I taught Putty Tat. And then that voice is pitched up. Daffy, when I perform it, it's Daffy of how we remember it, how it sounds in our memory. But as he performed it, Mel originally performed it as Sylvester, just with an attitude adjustment. Oh, you're despicable, rabbit. And when they take that and pitch it up, it sounds like this. So it goes from Mm. being Sylvester to Daffy. Just like that. Wow, that's incredible. But have you ever ordered a pizza or done anything (laughs) in the voice of Bugs like that or another character? Oh, uh, every time I go to the drive-thru, Doc, I say, uh, (laughs) I'll get a number two and make that animal style. I bet that would really mess some people up. (laughs) Well, what ends up happening is I get to the window and they're they're looking for other people in the car and I'm by myself. You know, it's, it's, it's it's pretty freaky. Okay, so... Here's a question that I was wondering. Is there a voice that you have always wanted or a character that you've always wanted to do that you actually can't do? Oh, my number one with a bullet is Batman. I, I mean, I can you imagine Batman sounding like this? Hey, Joker, <laughs> put that down, Joker. Well, you, like, I could never be Batman. I bet you could do a good Adam West, though. Uh, Robin, we have to go <laughs> save uh, Commissioner Gordon. That's, yes, see, so we're going to circle back around out. to that Batman yeah. eventually, I think, and then you're going to get the call. Okay, so what is the easiest voice, and I'm sure people ask you all the time, like, teach me to do this voice or that voice. What's the easiest voice to teach someone how to do? 
Well, I think, and I don't want to sound like, oh man, like this is the rookie voice, but uh, it's the it's the one Mel Blanc voice that I've been with the longest, and that's Marvin the Martian. But yeah, if if you want to do a uh, how to do Marvin <coughs> voice one hundred and one, okay. I'm ready. Uh, you kind of have it's that mid mid range voice right around here. So if you can kind of make this noise, like this pitch. Um, and then start doing like that froggy type voice in the back of your throat like this. And it's not quite British because British would kind of be like this. It's a little bit ethereal, like almost like mid-Atlantic, the way, the proper way of talking. You know, back in the 40s, for whatever reason, if you watch films, they all kind of talk like this. They had a very light way of talking and very proper and very announced way of speaking. And that's kind of like how Marvin was. He was a little bit like that. The Illudium Q36 Explosive <laughs> Space Modulator. Uh, yeah, so it's almost like that. It, it, and I kind of push it, though, when I do it. If anything, it's more to make people laugh. You know, like, uh, like dragging out that last sound in the no. sentence. Like, yeah, there you go. I retire. You are now the new voice wow. of Marvin. It was just that easy. Wow, that, just that easy. Yeah, that's that's how easy it is to break into to voice. I'm I'm game. For me, also, I'm like what the sixth person to do bugs. I want there to be like a sea of Bugs Bunny actors. Mm. I couldn't have been the only person who grew up watching Looney Tunes. So I invite anyone and all to uh, to come try out for these characters. It's it's just that universal, you know. I, I want to meet the guy that does bugs in Germany and non English speaking. Mm. Bugs uh, actors to talk to them to see what their recollection of Bugs was growing up as a kid. We need a convention. A Bugs convention, yes. In Boy Bank. So you do so many different voices, you inhabit so many different characters. Do you ever dream in a character's voice? Oh man, that is a good question. I mean, uh, there's a rumored story that after Mel Blanc had his uh, terrible car crash hmm. that put him in the hospital, that he woke up to the sound uh, of doctors asking him, Mel, is, is are you there? Bugs, are you there? And then he answered, Hey, what's up, Doc? Can you imagine being that in character, that that's the only way you could snap out of a coma? I don't know. I, you know, I wasn't there. I can't confirm or deny this story, but it makes for a good legend. It's a great legend. <laughs> Do you ever get in your head and start to think, like, maybe, like, Eric is a character, too, and my voice is, like, the Eric character voice, and maybe that's not even my real voice. It's funny because there are people out there that have, we call, voices with character, like your Seth Rogans or your Chris Rocks. Mm -hmm. You know, they have such a distinct sound, or Jack Black, they have such a distinct-sounding voice, and that is their persona. Mm -hmm. And then most voice actors just try to do character voices, mm -hmm. kind of get away, get away from their normal voice. Mm -hmm. The closest that I've ever come to performing like a character that was in my original voice was for a show produced by Warner Brothers Animation called Unikitty, and I was Master Frown. He was kind of the bad guy on the show. And he was just more of the, he was like more of a, it's the least Canadian I've ever sounded. <laughs> Usually Canadians are nice, but uh, I got to be a jerk on this episode, this series. The foil to Unikitty, and all he wanted to do was ruin birthday parties and good times. If he saw you down the street with your ice cream, he would knock it out of your hands, you know. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun, I gotta say. It was a great original character. I have found a lot of luck doing these franchise legacy characters, but... Master Fran was definitely one of my favorite characters where I got to do not just an original character, but just a, a character that was just kind of close to my own voice. So I just have one more question for you. 
But I remember when we were making this show last year. Yeah. And you told me a story about some recordings that you had heard and had of Mel Blanc from back in the day. Do you remember that? There, there was a few golden era box sets of DVDs before Blu-ray that Warner Brothers put out of the Looney Tunes characters and shorts. And it's like sessions of Mel Blanc kind of after the shorts, but before he retired. So he was still sounding like he had like a lot of energy. And it was just him doing like these little bumpers hmm. of Bugs Bunny, Speedy Gonzalez, I think uh, Porky for sure. And you hear him going, okay, this is uh, Porky Pig, lines uh, 21, uh, to be sped up 1,000 RPMs. Yeah, but you be a be a boy. Uh, wow, I can't, I can't believe that we're here and we're watching these uh, sh- sh- uh, shorts. You know, like it's just uh, coming up mm. next, folks. Yeah, we we uh, we got a great show for you, and it's just really so cool to hear him. It was like a raw voice session, mm. and I I was oh man, like for me as a voice actor, I'm like with a bib and a knife and a fork, just w- waiting to just cut into that <laughs> and like just take it all in. Like, hearing hearing the non-polished stuff. Uh, I mean, I heard another one of Arthur Q. Bryan and Mel Blanc, so Elmer and Bugs, being directed by Chuck Jones for uh, What's Opera Doc? Mm. Uh, I will kill him with my magic helmet. <laughs> magic helmet. Yes, magic helmet. And I will give you a sample. You know, hearing, like, them sing is another thing, too. Uh, but hearing them kind of go through these lines, like Mel going, uh, Chuck, how do you want me to say the, the word by, like, bye? Bye. Uh, Say it like, bye. Bye. And you just hear, you hear the exact take that they use in the cartoon in all the takes. It's so amazing. And again, if you're a nerd like me, you're probably drooling right now, but it's it's out there and all for you guys to study. Just do a search for it. Wow. Eric, it was a joy and an honor to make this show with you and so fun to reconnect. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. And yeah, the, 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 uh, that's all, folks. 